Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Im Assurance shares what he did during his senior year when he realized his dream of going to medical school wasn't going to happen. We learn how he graduated from Emory and went straight to a back office role at a large financial services firm, but kept focused on his ultimate goal of breaking into investment banking. As part of this path, he was able to successfully transition to the middle office um, of a top bulge bracket investment bank and eventually break into Booth for his MBA. Listen to the end for some wise advice. Enjoy. All right, Insurance, thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Thanks for having me, Patrick. Super stoked to be here. It's a dream come true. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, it'd be great if you could uh, give the listeners a short summary of your bio. Uh, sure. So um, I graduated in uh, 2016 from Emory University. Um, I was a pre-med at the time, but I was kind of looking to get into finance. Um, so that was right around the time I joined Wall Street Oasis, actually. Um, I started in an operations function at like a small finance company in the Midwest. It was pretty um, low-key operation, but, you know, kind of after some some strategizing and some planning and kind of growing through my career, I was pretty fortunate um, to get into the middle office at a bulge bracket, um, which I'm doing right now before I go get my MBA at Booth in the fall. Nice. So um, thanks for that. So let's start all the way back at Emory and kind of your path there. So when you were coming in as a freshman, were you like gung-ho finance or what was the, what was the path for you? Um, so yeah, I was pretty gung-ho uh, pre-med and going to medical school. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I was, I was always like, it was always what I knew to do, you know, definitely, you know, my family really encouraged it. And I was kind of going through the motions and what I'll notice was, well, I'll say was I never was really doing particularly great. So I was kind of struggling academically with like, you know, a GPA in the low threes. And, you know, while I found it interesting, I found it like a pretty significant uphill battle um, to kind of go through the motions and apply to medical school and make that my career. So uh, when I graduated, like my senior year, I, kind of being more realistic with myself, I decided um, to kind of find a job. Um, being inter interested in finance, kind of reading the journal um, out of personal interest, like through college, I thought, you know, that was a good way to go. Um, obviously, being so late in the game, you know, there were only so many opportunities that were available to me. So that's how I kind of got started uh, in operations. So you, um, you were basically pre-med for a while then, up through junior year. And then like, I mean, low threes aren't great, but you're saying like, if you don't get high threes or mid threes, at least it's almost impossible to get in med school. Is that accurate? I wouldn't say it's impossible. It's definitely just its own um, kind of path. And, you know, uh, definitely, you know, in college, it's great. You can kind of explore a bunch of different careers and kind of figure out what you want to do and you're not committed to anything 
just yet. And I just kind of knew um, it was kind of my senior year when I was being like completely honest with myself. And I just knew um, like not even being halfway through that kind of battle um, that there was something else that I would be interested in. And, um, you know, I kind of got into my first job um, kind of just exploring what it was kind of getting my, my feet wet, not really knowing still anything in finance at the time. Um, but it was kind of around that time where I kind of knew um, that this was the path I wanted to go down, but it definitely wasn't. Um, it, it was still a journey that I kind of just begun uh, wanting to go into investment banking later in my career. Um, that was kind of why I decided to kind of keep going and apply for the MBA. Got it. So um, you ended up at a, you know, in the Midwest kind of at this, you know, at this, I'd call more of like a strategy operations role. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, so it's actually, I have a funny story about that. Um, yeah, it was purely sure. an operations program, um, kind of when I got in, when I got hired, um, you know, some base would describe as pretty uh, back office type of role. But I'll never forget the day um, that, that like the head of our office, he like called all of us like operations analysts in, and he, he just like springs it on us like, today you guys are strategy and operations analysts. And uh, like, our, we felt like our world's changed overnight. I mean, it was just like a branding move but it definitely helped a lot as far as like telling my story and kind of moving forward so I just thought that was kind of cool it kind of slowly evolved um out, you know within the two years that I was there the first year being more pure operations and then kind of getting to work on some more global strategic facing projects for our company um towards the end of my time there in the midwest so there's been some people on wall street oasis some users I won't name names but that are pretty negative on the back office. Are you negative <laughs> in the back office and middle office saying, you know, get out as fast as you can or like, oh my gosh, it's a dead end career. Or do you feel like there are spots in the back and middle office that actually could be good careers? And, and I'd love to learn here specifically why. Uh, that's a really interesting question. I think it's really a different answer for different folks. And I, I'm pretty, I'm more inclined to agree with your user base on the site that says, you know, if you're going in, you should probably get out just because I feel like you have like a really dedicated group of folks that are, you know, actually like willing to spend the time uh, to kind of trajectory and plot out their careers online. So um, obviously if you have that kind of energy, um, you have to spend that conducively somewhere. And I don't, I think if you're willing to kind of put in that effort and like really make the best out of yourself then the, you know, the back office, frankly, is probably not a place for you, but if you're looking for a good work-life balance, I think, you know, um, and if you're, if you're super happy doing the job you do, I mean, who am I to tell you otherwise, right? So do you mind sharing like what your, what your work-life balance was and what that pay was your first year out of school around? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it was basically a teacher's salary. It wasn't much more than that. Um, and it was, you know, it was a true like nine to five job, 40 hour work week. Um, sometimes, you know, I got to take like an hour lunch and kind of go out and go out to eat. And, you know, like, like 40 I literally K, clocked in like 40 K a year. 40 yeah. K yeah. Year around that. In that, in, in that range. In a low cost of living state, obviously. Um, so did you feel like um, your senior year when you said you got realistic with yourself, you got like real with yourself in terms of like med school wasn't going to be the path or either you didn't, did you feel like the reason you didn't keep going was it because you didn't really like it or were you being real with yourself that like you just wouldn't be able to compete like on an, oh. I personally, I was pre-med when I first went to school. I, I remember my first class bio 101, I got a C in it and it was the class I spent more than half, half of my time studying pretty all the other classes. I did my worst in that class. And it was, almost <laughs> like a weed, it was almost like a weed out course. Yeah. Um, because a third of the class is like pre-med when they first come in. Um, and I remember I stuck with bio for another 
another semester or two just out of like pure stubbornness and did much better. But I still, um, I took a liking to economics after that, which kind of steered me towards finance. But I'm curious, was it like, and I also kind of got to the realization of like, you know, you know, I think my father was like, you know, he was in medicine. He was saying medicines is changing. It's getting harder, you know, and like reimbursement rates are going down and down and down. Um, you know, the battle with the insurance company, if you're going to be your own kind of practice, it's really tough. Um, was there any thought process to that? Or was it really more just like an introspective look into yourself and be like, I'm not passionate about this? Or was it more like an intellectual, I can't compete? Um, I definitely like, there's, I'd say a little bit of both. I would say um, it was very competitive and it wasn't my forte. Um, so um, like even being in the low threes, like I wasn't really satisfied with kind of the outcome. And I felt like I was doing like the work so I was just and I kind of knew um just that my interests lie elsewhere kind of in that point. it was actually really interesting um I took this like in my biochemistry class in college we talked about one of our professors who'd actually created a like an HIV drug um that he ended up selling to a pharmaceutical company like he had his own kind of startup pharmaceutical company and then it got kind of acquired by big pharma and we learned a little bit about how um, just kind of the industry like to actually make like important healthcare come to the market be realized by people you know there's like a lot of kind of financial work and due diligence that needs to happen behind that um, mm -hmm. and then when I kind of realized that you know um, just like kind of broadening my perspectives as I got older um, you know kind of building those kinds of relationships and working with people and kind of getting things done so to speak and kind of making healthcare like, kind of be realized in the marketplace was something that I was just personally more interested in than, you know, kind of doing the research and going down the path. Not to say I couldn't, but I don't think I would have been nearly as successful. Um, I definitely wouldn't be getting into like University of Chicago Medical School, I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. And yeah, the business school is not easy to get into. So congrats on that. Um, so I think it'd be helpful for the listeners to hear a little bit about like that that realization your senior year the whole application process so like you have nothing you have nothing relevant to finance or business okay. or whatever on your on your cv and you're all of a sudden you're like i'm really passionate about reading the wall street journal i'm going to go into finance or find a business thing so you know you ended up in a middle office um not surprisingly yeah. not a direct you didn't get you didn't magically get into investment banking right at undergrad but you had a vision i guess that you were going to achieve that maybe post MBA. That's your goal is to eventually. Get yeah. That. Yeah. And I think you probably will out of booth if you really apply yourself. So my question is, how did you map that? And what was the recruiting process like coming right out of like undergrad? Was it just, was it a joke? Was it like they were just hiring bodies and anybody who expressed <laughs> interest or like, you um, asked like a few easy questions or tell me about what that process was like. Totally. So um, definitely, you know, Emory's a pretty solid school and has some robust, on campus recruiting that unfortunately, you know, I came to this realization and I just missed. So um, I definitely had to do my own like self-directed search. And I would say um, if you're listening to this this time of year and you're about to go into your senior year of college, um, you know, that first day of school, you really like should be 100% ready of uh, figuring out like what opportunities like are coming through the pipeline and which ones do you see yourself um, honestly being simulated and doing for at least years um so this you know this role out in the midwest uh, in operations you know I, I definitely you know it was a big enough company and a good enough brand where i can kind of see that i could make something of myself out of it and i could grow from it um but i kind of knew on um, that just like the the self-introspective process of like kind of bettering myself taking on career experiences that would be valuable to kind of become a leader and a manager those things just weren't going to happen 
on their own. So, you know, there's a few roles that I looked at um, and kind of in kind of different spaces. With were you just applying online? That, what about what about the actual tactics of like applying? Were you applying just through the career? Was this through a career center at the school still or was it um, just all you applying through like online portals and where were you doing the research of what companies to apply to? Like, where were you finding these roles? Yeah. So, I mean, it's totally like at that, when you're working at that stage, you got to kind of be as like spread yourself as deep and like as wide as you possibly can. So definitely um, was looking at, you know, our career services website, which just around my timing, I didn't see as much. Um, LinkedIn was another one, like anything that said was like, you know, either business or operations related or like, and was like looking for someone fresh out of school. I applied to those pretty blanketly. Um, reaching out to, reaching out to my family members who worked at companies that um, I thought would be helpful um, was, was, was also something I did. And that was actually how I ended up um, directly getting placed in my role. So how I think that would have been your, the end all. How did you all. make your resume look at all relevant to business with all the kind of meta, did you have any internships kind of going through or how were you able to tailor your resume in such a way that made it look like somewhat business related? Um, so I did a, like a lot of volunteering stuff. Um, I didn't really have any business internships, but you know, I, I'd, I'd volunteer and I'd been definitely involved as like a leader on campus through extracurriculars. Um, and then, you know, it was really kind of telling the story at the time about, you know, any, any involvement I'm involved in outside of my classwork, you know, usually it's run um, with these such and such basic principles of business. So for like recruiting people, you know, we're looking for the most kind of competitive fit for the leadership positions on our campus or when it came to managing our budget, you know, we set up a pretty tight process of kind of reviewing, you know, the money we're spending and making sure we're kind of allocating effectively. So you had I mean, some good, kind of telling those you, narratives. You had some good stories. You had some good narratives to go along with, with the leadership positions you held, even though they were volunteer. Coming out yeah, of I think, yeah, I think it requires just some honest introspection of like where what is the thread that can kind of tie tie things together? And even if it's a loose thread, I think, you know, that's where you can kind of uh, exert some of your passion and your personal interest and your drive, and it'll kind of help kind of seal that up a little bit, which is really helpful. Cool. So you get the offer when, like right before you graduate or like halfway through the senior year? Um, so for me, it was like a, you know, I eat, breathe and sleep job applications for about four months. So I started uh, in October and that was kind of when I realized I wasn't going to um, go to medical school like at all and I need to figure something else out. Mm -hmm. um, I applied to, I applied to some things in October, like not really knowing what I wanted and then seeing like, you know, working at like a, a financial services company was my goal. So like for the last three months through the end of that year, um, I guess it would have been 2015. Now I, I kind of slowly and slowly targeted my search as I was kind of figuring out what Got I it. Wanted. And so like that realization that you weren't going to medical school, that it didn't happen until senior year. Was there something that just like, like snapped or clicked for you? It was just like a realization. Like what was there somebody you spoke with that like, um, right? What was that, that time? It just seems like it was a sudden shift, you know, three plus years working towards. Yeah. Um, so definitely watching like a lot of my peers, like that were seniors in our pre-med program. I'm not ready for medical school either, but also not knowing what they wanted to do as far as like a the gap opportunity that would kind of get them there. Mm -hmm. um, and especially like in the medical field, those just like, frankly, not being very well compensated. And also, if you don't get into medical school, just kind of being a dead end. Mm -hmm. I knew that I just wanted to keep myself open to more opportunities. So uh, I guess I'm telling the story like a little bit um, more black and white, definitely. Like I, I would say the plan was maybe more like find a job in, in finance or business, see if you like it. 
And then, you know, if you don't like it, you can still apply to business, like medical school. That's fair. Okay. So it, you hadn't completely closed the door yet. Uh, not formally, but I think in my mind, it was like, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty okay. much a done deal already. Fair enough. I get that. So you're at your, you're at, you're at this first job. Um, they changed the name to not just operations, but strategy and operations. It's like a nice rebrand. You are, uh, working kind of a rotation program there. Um, tell me a little bit about specifically kind of what you did. Like, can you give the listeners an idea of like, what is a middle office or a back office? job like at a at a large financial services firm sure um so before you know we, we kind of had that rebrand it was like literally rotating through um the processing functions of this office so um like on our first day we were like literally given a script and we were answering the phones like um in the call center part of the, the operations and customer service and then we kind of worked through um just you know general like financial services like operations and settlements and processing and, and we were kind of just uh you know, it's it very uh, transactional, so to speak, um, where we were kind of just like processing these like financial products that, that the company was involved in. And we were learning uh, what those different pro procedures and functions looked like. And uh, we were looking for ways to kind of um, just like streamline some of the processing times of some of those things and, you know, automate if we could. Um, it would definitely it definitely wasn't particularly interesting. Let me, let me put it that way. But it's basically whatever they, couldn't, whatever they couldn't automate, you had to do manually. But like, exactly. You know, they were very happy to automate it if you had an idea. <laughs> we did a rotation in the mailroom. <laughs> yeah. and it was like all the kinds of crazy stuff you could think of. Um, but then when we got rebranded, you know, it wasn't like we got more interesting work overnight, but we were really fortunate to move into like what is like a global hierarchical structure of our company and you know from there um before like anything kind of came i was definitely trying to like build relationships with the people in this new strategy group um you know in our headquarters uh, which was in new york city um and just kind of trying to get noticed like any type of work i could get um remotely and kind of work on in the midwest and build those relationships and that really helped kind of kickstart things and make uh, make the process happen like smoother and that was how i was able to kind of brand myself as a leader over there so you're saying you were networking. Talk to me a little bit more about that. So when you were emailing them, how did you reach out? How did you have the guts to reach out, you know, from being in a middle office, back office, there's the strategy group in New York in the headquarters. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, that's right. And so how did you know even to who to reach out to? Was there a program um, with your company that allowed you to do that? Or was it like you were just doing it instinctually through like LinkedIn or whatever, or just through your, your internal in mail or whatever, or your, you know, intranet? Uh, so the process started on LinkedIn before I'd like reached out to any of these people. I, I kind of knew what group I was moving into. So I looked them up, just got a general understanding of how the group was structured. Um, you know, some companies are pretty fortunate to post that stuff internally, but, but ours wasn't. And then once I kind of made a targeted list of like, okay, this, you know, this person, John, he's in like this, like, you know, strategy function relating with, you know, our our commercial business or this person is in this strategy function related to our consumer business. Once I made my list, you know, I took, I took it straight to my manager locally. And I said, you know, I kind of just done some research, some of the stuff that this new group does that we're going into. Do you have any like connections that kind of work in these parts, points of interest for me? And, you know, I matched up already with my list and she was able to plug me in. And then, you know, once you take like a, I would say once you take a general interest and you like volunteer yourself as like, labor that's willing to work hard and kind of learn something new you know once I, it was really quick like once i got on the phone with those people i was able to get kind of projects and like some of that more global um and strategically um 
involved work uh, pretty easily. It was definitely just kind of a matter of being genuine, communicating what I can do. And it's so like when you say like strategy work, were you doing like PowerPoint desk? Were you doing online research? What were you, what were you doing for them at, at the start? So it was just really like, there was this big global project that we were trying to do, um, which is like, you know, we were working in a back office in, in the Midwest and then we had a couple of these global processing centers and we were trying to understand what the true costs of the work that those groups were doing. So kind of being boots on the ground, um, we were kind of working on this like pricing database that kind of checked like, what is the cost it takes to kind of process such and such type of work or these, mm -hmm. you know, these and um, these processes. And we kind of built a, we kind of built just like a database that um, then all the other centers like started kind of inputting their data in. And then we had a, like some real, um, some real kind of facts and like some evidence-based numbers about like, you know, if we want to, do this like required thing that we have to do anyway like what global location should we put it in cool okay so that makes sense so tell me you're there for almost a couple of years tell me about when you started applying outside was it right away that you started you did you keep kind of networking and applying throughout your your two years there or you're slightly under two years or was this something where like you know a year in you started looking outside um and networking yeah, so I would say it's a year in, and um, you know, maybe this is a little bit old school of an opinion. I think if you're going to kind of sign your name and take a job or do something, you should do it probably for at least a year. Um, any less people like are wondering, you know, what what happened, whether it was like you know you kind of being dissatisfied or something. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, as much as like I thought this opportunity, it was a pretty good opportunity that wasn't perfect. So I was willing to kind of sit out um, and make the most of it for the first year, and then after that. Um, I definitely start, like I started applying to kind of the strategy based roles um, at the investment banks um, and then, you know, some investment banking roles as well. Um, being very broad in my search, so going from like, you know, um, whether the bulge bracket banks, the elite boutique banks, the middle market banks, just knowing whatever experience I got would probably at least be more tangibly related to investment banking, which was my my end goal. Um, so that was, you know, that alone, you think that was that, not easy. It was like think that you were, Did you think that you were going to be able to actually transition to investment banking from like a middle or back office position? Um, w like what was your expectation or had you read enough Wall Street Oasis to saying how impossible it is? <laughs> uh, I definitely, you know, everyone likes to think that they're, you know, the special one and they kind of have what it takes. So um, I applied to a few roles and I even got a few phone screens um, and that was, you know, you, you kind of get like really, you get your hopes up, you know, really excited. You think, you know, you finally have, you know, you're finally, you can almost picture it. It's so tangible even at that point where you have such a far way to go. But I think after losing out to like a few candidates that already had relevant banking experience, I knew um, that I still kind of wasn't ready. But then, you know, I had some other mentors at the time too that had gotten MBAs and told me um, not only like it's probably a better fit for you as far as like you know, have more options from like on-campus recruiting um, and not just kind of have to do it the, the manual way. And I'll also just kind of learn a lot and kind of develop a lot of skills through the education process that um, that would just make it a much more sustainable career down the line for me versus kind of trying to lateral into something that I'm not qualified for. At the yeah, no fair. Yeah, no, I mean, going to getting into a, an analyst class is like shark infested water of just working those 90, 100 hour weeks. It's, it's tough if you're going in there with, with limited you know, financial modeling skills or whatnot. And since you had done bio, your whole, I, I assume that would have been you. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so you're okay. So you start searching, you start kind of networking. And so you're applying, tell me about some of those phone screens. Were they tough? Were they easy? Um, did you make it past first round on any of them or was it just like, it was, cool? no, it was literally first round. And then, you know, yeah. someone who probably had a hiring decision looked at my resume and realized I 
didn't have him like probably the applicable experience and was tossed out from there. And that was that. Yeah. So tell me kind of what you, you know, you said you had applied to some of the bank's strategy roles. So tell me how that went and what you knew about those, those positions in those, those banks. That's a, that's a really good question. So, um, you know, definitely that was kind of the work experience that I've been developing up, up for my, uh, to this point, granted it was with a non-banking product, but, um, you know, I found the, uh, the skill set to be very transferable. So, um, whatever the product was that they needed a strategy analyst for, and I applied, um, you know, it's just, it, it was a matter of doing like increasing research and like, like a general strategist who, um, would want to become well-versed in a subject kind of preparing for an interview, just like making sure if I was going to talk to someone at a, at a bank uh, for one of these types of roles that I knew as much as I could about the product. So I didn't look like, you know, so I could ask some interesting questions and just so, so I frankly didn't sound like a total idiot when I was kind of talking because in those types of interviews, you know, even if you aren't the, they're looking for someone generally who's just a good thinker and maybe not have, might have not have the most direct experience, but mm -hmm. they're still going to ask you what your opinion is like on the business or market that they're covering. So can you um, give an I found, example of like, maybe not the one you went into, but something else like a different. Sure. Sure. Um, so I, I interviewed with this, like, you know, with um, this fixed income group uh, at a middle market bank and they were looking for a strategy analyst. And I think um, just for example, so they were looking specifically for someone who could implement a Salesforce tool for them, like a customer relationship management tool. Mm -hmm. um, and I had some experience using Salesforce. So we kind of talked about that. And I think the proof that I could do the job was that was fine, but, what helped me kind of get further and make it to being one of the people they were like kind of really considering maybe like the final few is that like I took an interest and in like I asked just about, you know, the fixed income market and, uh, you know, so specifically municipal bonds. And I kind of um, spun a story about like what I had done, what I'd researched about municipal bonds. Um, definitely it's a, uh, it's a market that is kind of getting tighter and tighter, but it's definitely not going away. By so it's interesting. Means. So it's like, even though your role was understanding, yeah, even though your role was supposed to be more like CRM implementation on the strategy, like a more consultant side, you still showed interest in the underlying product, which was fixed income in this case, which kind of set you apart from other candidates, you think? I definitely think so. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Um, okay, so tell me a little bit about kind of your jump to a bulge bracket investment bank. Um, you know, how did that, how did that evolve? Was it, you know, as part of this process, you know, year in, was it, somebody you had been in touch with a while. Tell me about kind of how that evolved. Yeah. So as I was kind of doing this process, looking for my next job, um, there were probably, you know, I applied to every bank that I could. There were probably like four or five where I felt like the relationship was just getting stronger. So even though like maybe I'd interviewed for two roles or three roles or um, for this company, I think I'd interviewed for four different jobs at this point um, mm -hmm. and not gotten any of them. You know, you build really good relationships with the recruiters and you kind of, you kind of, they, kind of know what you can bring to the table and as long as you know you're, you're not um completely like as long as you're not completely an idiot and you have that relationship when other rules come up um, as they frequently do at these large companies you know they're willing to kind of at least kind of get you started in the process so give you another um, it was at, really, give you another at bat basically exactly yeah. and the way it kind of worked it becomes a process of mutual selection and mutual fit so uh, i would say by the time we got to the end of the process we we arrived at the rule where i was given an offer where um, it was the one that I was the most interested in out of the ones I've interviewed with so far. And it was also the one that was just like the best like cultural fit. So fitting with the team, getting along with them, great. And then having the skills that they needed and could bring to the table. So I would uh, give some advice that just as, you know, if you're interviewing for a job at a, at a big company like a Morgan Stanley or a JP Morgan um, or a Goldman Sachs, and you know, you don't, 
you're not getting the offer, you feel like you're kind of, you know, just like stay patient, build relationships, you know, if you know what you bring to the table, like there will 99% chance at another role that you can totally do uh, will kind of come along again, as long as you're not kind of annoying them. I think if you kind of just keep the line of communication open. How did you educate? How did you, I mean, there's a lot of information on investment banking and those roles and how did you educate yourself on like these other kind of more strategy consulting or middle office or back office roles? How did you even know, was it just seeing what was available, what jobs would pop up in their feeds um, and then just kind of doing research there like Googling and, or was it some, some other way um, in terms of how you would research and get ready for these interviews? Uh, yeah. So sorry, it's the question about finding like the job itself or like, no, more about like how you prepped for the interviews. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's the standard behavioral, fit questions which you have to have down in your story it sounded like you had it uh you, you knew you knew how to kind of walk that walk but like how did you get i don't know for for very like specific kind of back office middle office things with specific products how did you get that knowledge or did you not um, need it since they're more entry were these more like entry-level roles so i would say like investopedia and mergers and acquisitions are amazing and pretty yeah. much anything that a bank is involved in you can get your primer from there to just kind of get a quick um, hit of the business. So um, let's take like a, let's see, let's take a product that, that my bank deals in. And this is not something that I work in, but just to kind of give you an example. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, like let's take like interest rate products and like let's take repos. Uh, well, like if I type in repo and in Investopedia, I'll at least get a, a first, like I'll get a hit and I'll get an understanding of what it is, um, what's the purpose of it. You know, it's an overnight lending product uh, to kind of create liquidity. Um, so that's great. So now I have an understanding of what, like what clients are coming to my bank for this product, what they need, you know, what, it, what is it doing? And then from there, um, having that understanding, you know, I'll try to see what's going on in the Wall Street Journal because that'll give me, now that I have the primer, I can see what's kind of going on in the day-to-day markets. And if you look at the repo markets, I mean, it's really interesting because like the federal government right now is literally doing as much as it can to kind of pump money back into our economy. So that's like a very volatile market and there's kind of, you know, if I wanted to dig down, I could just by pulling up some news articles after doing the primer and understanding what the product is, I would have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, and you find, and you can find even in any industry, even if it's not as exciting, you know, even if it's like a BAU uh, time in the economy and the economy is growing and it's a different product, there's usually some type of discussion that is going on um, or there's one that, that has gone on that has already been settled that is at least topical enough that you can kind of bring it up and ask like, oh, so, um, you know, for another interest rate example, you know, um, the London interbank offering rate is like going away, which is like the traditional lending rate that all banks use and it's being replaced by something else. So if you're, you know, if you're interviewing for anything that is related to an interest rate, you can just kind of poke the question out there that shows that you're kind of following strategically some of the stuff these banks might have to think about. And yeah, um, so you know, I didn't study finance. You've so. done the re- it's showing that you've done some of the research and you're not just, yeah, yeah that's I'm fair. not an expert by any means, but you know, just by like, I guess that's the extra mile that you have to go just to show that you care. Like it really helps a lot. Yeah, it's an important lesson there. So, okay, so you get the offer after, you know, striking out a bunch of times, you eventually get an offer um, for a role and you, you take that role, you're there for a couple of years or a year and a half or so before kind of transferring. Tell me about that internal transfer. What prompted that and um, as much information as you can give or comfortable giving um, how you kind of did that or why that happened. 
would be great. Sure. And then um, if you want to just go go right into the kind of MBA application process, how you kind of got people on board to give you um, recommendations. That'd be awesome. Definitely. Um, so those two did happen around the same time. I think um, business school applications kind of happened first. And that was, you know, with my goal of investment, investment banking, I definitely, I had worked, you know, for about three years up to this point, I developed some really good analyst level experience um, in finance that I thought would translate really well to kind of getting the investment banking job once I got my MBA. So mm-hmm. I will say, um, I didn't really feel like as comfortable at the time telling my direct manager, which most MBA programs will ask for a recommendation from your direct manager or um, someone who's really close. So I just got the next person's closest person who I developed a really close relationship with would better understand at the time, you know, why I wanted to get my MBA. Um, This person had an MBA herself, which is also, I think, really good advice. If there's someone who might not be your direct manager, but just knows what the value is an MBA by virtue of having one, that's a great person to think about asking. Sure. Um, and then I asked another um, another person that was pretty senior that I just worked with on a lot of deliverables that didn't um, have as much stake. And I kind of also had an MBA, so I knew you could kind of trust to keep that process secret. So, so your you know, direct manager didn't know until after, or still doesn't know, or didn't know until after you got admitted? Is it kind of the... Yeah, I found out once, I, uh, once I'd gotten admitted, um, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, I, in hindsight, I think my manager probably would have been supportive, I would say. Um, a lot of people are scared to ask their direct manager because it looks like they're leaving the company. And I think, well, that's true to an extent, I, you know, you know your manager better than I do, but I'm willing to bet there's like a 95% 10 chance they're not a complete asshole, right? So as long as that, like, you know them and like what they're kind of like, I'm pretty sure it would take a lot for them to like actually take the time to write a terrible recommendation to not send you to business school just so they could keep you at the company. Like that's a terrible like line of thinking, like it makes no sense, right? So yeah. If I was um if I was more comfortable and I thought about it, I think my manager would have probably written a better recommendation, and I might have, you know, been as successful or maybe more successful in the process. Yeah, I think with you know obviously when you're a reference when you're leaving a company can be much touchier than if you're applying to get more education for yourself in a graduate degree. I think the graduate degree tends to be less painful, at least uh, on the surface, to your to your manager. Um, of why you're going. I think where it can get touchy is if you're telling them, yeah, I want to go into investment banking and they're not invest, they're not in investment banking, obviously. <laughs> so they're gonna be like, well, what's wrong with what I'm doing? Right. Actually, that's, it's funny you mentioned that. So I've interviewed people in roles, not being in investment banking myself. And I get that answer from people that I interview sometimes that, you know, eventually they don't want to go into investment banking. And it is like, usually I'll say like, I'll think in my head, like, that's great. Like me too. But like what a terrible time like to tell me right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you telling me that now? We know you're leaving, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then regarding the transfer, you know, um, I was just getting, you know, I'd learned a lot in this, in this first job at this bank, mm-hmm. um, knowing business school is a pretty selective process and there's a chance that I don't get in. You know, I felt, I didn't feel like super confident, like, Oh, this is a sure thing. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also felt like just like my role, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't as much of the opportunity to become like the leader on the team or move into that next seat. So being an analyst, like I guess being an associate, I just didn't see that opportunity. Um, so I'd also simultaneously just pursued a path um, to find a spot with that growth opportunity should things not work out in my favor. Um, and it was a pretty straightforward process. So I think again, um, that one, I, you know, it was a matter of having like a very frank conversation with my manager about, you know, next year, like what, what is this seat going to look like? Like, what am I going to get any new projects or am I going to be doing anything that is, yeah. like, you know, 
is more important. Um, and that kind of shows that I can take on more responsibility. And they were kind of just like, you know, we can't really make any guarantees. We don't know what's there. Um, so I was just really frank. It was like, well, you know, I love the work that we did together. Um, I think we can both see that, you know, I'm just kind of spinning my wheels a little bit now. It's not as challenging. The role is just not as challenging as it was. So um, they were really supportive in helping me find like a new seat at the firm. Well, what gave you the confidence of doing that? Do you feel like you had done a good enough job and that's why you could go there and you didn't feel like they were going to just like punt you, like kick, kick you out or, or fire you? Like, <laughs> yeah, I felt like it was like, there was like just a mutual understanding. It was very clear that I was getting really bored and I'd learned and done as much as I could. So I started by asking like, what's next? Like what's the growth opportunity? Got it. They couldn't answer that question. So that was when we kind of had this discussion to be fair. I think, yeah, as long as you're doing it in a respectful manner, there is a way to get there. So how did you think about just that internal? So had you been networking internally at the firm, outside the firm? How did you think about where you wanted to go? Obviously somewhere where there's growth opportunity, uh, meaning you start managing people or what was the thought process? Um, I was looking probably for just like a more quantitative and technical kind of role where I can kind of develop um, some more skills in that front. Um, I restricted my search to internal just because I knew I had some of these business school notifications coming into to change companies, I thought, um, and to be working there for less than a year would be pretty, um, pretty unfair. Um, as far as the internal process, you know, um, if you work in like, say you're in like a major hub for your, for your firm. So say you're in the New York City office or the San Francisco office or, you know, like the Houston office, you know, that's a pretty big group of people. There's probably um, just working at your company, a couple hundred, maybe thousands of people who work there. So by yeah. developing relationships with people in different teams, like that's, that's something you can do on day one, whether or not you're looking for a role that I ended up finding really helpful because then I could kind of, you know, I could kind of go on our side and see what was open or I would just like, you know, shoot the shit with my friends when we were playing golf and kind of casually ask the question like you know do you know anything like what's going on i'm kind of looking for my next thing and you get a lot of you know you'll get a lot of answers and you'll just learn a lot about what's going on and what the opportunities are and then you can kind of make the decision for yourself like which ones do you you really want to pursue and yeah i, think, I would say if you're going to go internal it's so much better um people like to have the face to the name and like build a relationship so it's so much better if you kind of reach out on your own and act proactively i think sitting around and waiting for these types of opportunities when you already have your foot in the door of the company is like a terrible way to go about it. What's it, just waiting you're saying? Um, versus yeah, like like, being proactive. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime if you can build a relationship before needing the job or the, the, the whatever you're asking for, <laughs> yeah, it's always a better, a better move. So putting in the work before you even anticipate needing or wanting to move somewhere. I always say to people, I'm like, it's if you're at like a big four, for example, and you're, know that you want to get into investment banking eventually you better you better be working on getting to transaction advisory services or ts or a similar right, type right. of role as fast as you can without pissing off your current boss so like networking with those people knowing that in a year and a half to two years you're going to try to make that jump um is is a smart move i think a really good way to do it is find the people on those teams that are maybe at your level like at your reporting line or maybe like just one above you so they're not like the direct hiring manager because right. they'll kind of give you the they'll give you like the real like information you need to know to kind of get through the process and be successful on the team and i know when someone approaches me like from another team and wants to be on my team like i want to tell them what they need to say to get the job just because like that's kind of you know i like seeing people be successful and usually people on the other side like the same so i know at my company if there's an opening if we put an opening for a job you know, there's usually enough information in that where you can 
go look up the team on our internal site and you can find who the associates and analysts are. And, you know, if I know them already, that's great. I'll, you know, we, we can kind of get that going. Or if I don't know them already and I know someone who knows them, I can have them reach out or it's just kind of being a little bit more strategic than just like dropping in your resume in the bucket and hoping, yeah, hoping, and hoping. they call you back. Yeah, that's the easy way, dropping your resume in the bucket and hoping. And I think if, especially in the economy we're about to head into, recession, hopefully not depression, um, I think it's important even more now to be proactive about um, who you know, about kind of before, you know, not being lazy about just dropping your resume off. It's really just lazy. It's it's partly because they're shy or they're, and they think, oh, it's awkward. What would you say to make it less awkward? You talked about golf, like what if you're not, what if you're not a golfer, like what other ways could you just kind of get time with these people if you don't know? Um, so when I was referring to golf and like anything you do, you know, whatever team you're on, you should be making friends with the people that are your age in the office around you, whatever team they're on. I think just having that network, I did it by playing golf and there's a, you know, there's a good group of us and we're, we're always looking for guys that can kind of come out and play. And when they're on a new team that we haven't met someone on before, like, that's great, but um, you like whatever be, you like you have to, to be do. good at golf to go play. <laughs> no, actually, we prefer probably being bad at golf might make you more friends. <laughs> we hate the guy who's too good. <laughs> I'll say you guys love me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're more than welcome to come out with us uh, yeah. anytime. <laughs> what about um, Thirty handicap. <laughs> I mean, even if it's like you know, if you like to, whatever you like to do, like you know, in in any of these major cities. There's like at least there's probably like hundreds of other analysts like across teams and being the person to just like put yourself out there and make new friends um, has helped me a lot, whatever that is like. For sure. That's awesome. So anything else? Uh, so what the application process obviously went really well. You got into Booth. Um, and my guess is, you know, by this time, by this time next year or in two years, you'll definitely have that full time offer. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be guessing already. I'll put my money on you um, <laughs> at an investment bank. So um, congrats on all that. Thanks. I think um, in terms of just other advice before we call the pod, anything else you you know want to tell your younger self or the younger listeners in terms of um, advice? Uh, yeah. So applying to my MBA, I knew that I wanted to go into investment banking probably like three or four months out of graduating. And I knew pretty quickly after that, that it would be the MBA. So it took me like four years. It was a four year long process to just get the experience and do the steps necessary. So I will say it's a long and grueling process, but like anything worth having um, will really take that kind of investment. Nothing happens um, particularly easily. So um, if that's the route that you need to take or, you know, are choosing to take, um, I like to say, you know, I think in college, I was always looking for like, what is like the quick and dirty solution to like get an A on this test with like minimal studying or like, how can I get this, achieve this result by putting in as little effort as possible. But like, and once you graduate, it just doesn't work like that. Like anything worth having, like takes your time and investment. So um, spend your time wisely and then like, just make sure you're being honest with yourself to make sure that you're tracking. Um, if you're going to set it, like you should totally set a short term, medium term and long term goal. Um, but if, you know, if you're going through and you're just not tracking and you're not meeting those, um, that, you know, it'll be really tough, like, and you'll just kind of regret it down the line. So being like thoughtful about tracking. So I kind of knew when around what time I would want to take my GMAT. And I knew once I had the GMAT done, like, like where I could start looking at the schools in my profile. And once I picked the schools, you know, I saw that the applications were opening up this summer and that I needed this, this, and this done. Um, so it's just being diligent and kind of 
thinking at least like two to three steps in advance, like where you're going to be and what you're going to need to be doing. Um, I think it's especially if you're going for MBA, you know, you only have like what is really like five years, give or take, to be as successful as you can and to build the case that an MBA will help you to just be more successful. So with that finite amount of time, you know, if you're not using it correctly, um, it'd just be really tough to kind of get the results that you want. Yeah, and to get into one of the top programs, I think is really important because the the gap between the top business schools and the as you get further down, it, it drops off, I would argue, pretty quickly um, in terms of um, the the opportunities that are available to you coming right out of the program, especially if you're recruiting for like an investment, you know, investment banking where there's, you know, the set number of MBA programs they pull from. Um, so, yeah, thank you so totally. much for, for uh, taking the time. Hopefully people heed your advice and have set that plan up and don't don't wait eight years after undergrad, 10 years after undergrad before waking up one day and thinking to themselves, Hey, I'm still in the back office and <laughs> this is not <laughs> um, Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It happens. It doesn't fun. mean life's over. It just means, you know, you got to start hustling. So um, anyways, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and sharing your, your wisdom with the listeners. Yeah. I will say too, like the site is just a great resource because you meet a bunch of other people that are in, different stages of their careers and it's just uh it's really good motivation so i've like definitely used it like as i was looking like not only finding my first job and kind of transitioning but then you know getting going through the applications and i know you've had like various like admissions consultants offer to do like some posts and q a's and stuff um so definitely like if you're out of school in your first job you know wall street always just is a great resource i'll give you some kudos there thanks for the endorsement man i appreciate it (laughs) (laughs) i guess i'm uh, preaching to the choir but (laughs) and uh and definitely stay safe okay with uh out there and um yeah thanks so much just probably a couple weeks thanks take care awesome and thanks to you my listeners at wall street oasis if you have any suggestions whatsoever please don't hesitate to send them my way patrick at wallstreetoasis.com until next time